Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome to our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, okay, today today we're going to be talking about how to manage chronic symptoms or symptoms in general around the holidays, whether chronic you have health, whatever, yeah, an autoimmune disease, whether you have a chronic health condition, or if you're one of my GI health girlies, or you know whatever it is, if you've got some things going on and you're like, oh God, what am I going to do around the holidays? This is the episode for you. <laughs> we were just talking about earlier when we were doing our outlines, like how have we not done this yet? Because this is something that Christine and I have been living with for over 10 years at this point oh, well and we were kind of like how have we not done this episode before but either way it's we got a lot now. of practical tips for you we've got some other things for you it's going to be great yes you know what's one thing we didn't really prep for that i think could be interesting to kind of weave in here guys is diabetes management in here too right like we have a which could is- be its whole own episode easily <laughs> but it could very easily be like its home its own little like subset in here but i do think it's important to do it because i think a lot of people probably are trying to manage that at the same time and this is very gi reaction focused more than it is like other health component focused because that's our main perspective because we're talking a lot about our own issues with you know, digestive stuff and having celiac disease and, you know, all of the things. So this is all to say there's a lot of different layers here. And one is we get it. It's annoying AF. And it would be so nice if we could just go to the holidays and just eat whatever. That would be so nice. But that's unfortunately not the case. And I think that there is something to like taking that and and being able to honor that a little bit and saying that it's annoying and that it's frustrating and you wish that it wasn't this complicated and it's as much as you want everybody to like help support you by making the meal as safe as possible. You also, I feel for myself, I won't speak for others, but I know for myself, as much as I want people to make the meal as safe as possible for me, I also get really annoyed when people pester me with questions about what's okay and what's not okay. And I know that probably is kind of shitty (laughs) because they're just trying to be nice, but I'm like, I don't want to have to answer these questions. And I wish that it was different and I just feel like I get that and I find it annoying and the whole thing is frustrating. It is. And it's really it's just a really hard situation because it's like, oh, holidays and celebratory foods and like all the different things. And especially when, you know, we've just had Thanksgiving and then we have all the December holidays coming up. And this is can be the same thing for birthdays and other holidays and stuff like that. But 
when one of the main focus points is food, naturally, there's going to be a lot of anticipatory anxiety if you're dealing with symptoms or you're managing a chronic health condition, no matter what it is, because there's an element of food in like managing your chronic health condition without it being extreme, right? Like that's what we're about here is trying to take things back from the extremes and be like, okay, you don't have to do everything 100%. You don't have to eliminate every single thing in order to manage your symptoms. At the same time, we also want to be able to enjoy the holidays and enjoy holiday foods and not feel like we're missing out on everything and just be like, well, I have to eat plain this and plain that. And then it's like, boo-hoo is me because you're sad on the inside because it's like, wow, I really wish I could eat all of the things that people are eating. And then people are you being like, wow, that's so sad. Why do you have to eat that? And you're like, I really wish I didn't. I wish I could be like you. <laughs> you know, like life would be so much easier if we could just eat whatever and we wouldn't have, you know, severe symptoms as a result. But where we are now, that's not the case, unfortunately, for a lot of people. And this isn't for everybody, but, you know, we wanted to make sure we cover as many of our bases as we can today because we've been there and it's annoying, but there are things that you can do to make the whole experience more enjoyable. And we wanted to pass on some of that advice. Yeah, I think also, too, like one of the things that makes it hard as well is that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today, the the people who might relate to this more than others um, are going to be the people who have more of like a silent or quiet or invisible chronic health management going on, like celiac disease where you don't see it all the time or, you know, a sensitivity to any kind of food or if you have chronic pain that you're managing or migraines that people don't see and like you're utilizing food as it has been a trigger for you for some of your symptoms. And so you're trying to be thoughtful in that. And it can be really hard when you have something like that where it's like invisible and you feel like everything that you're doing is so under this like microscope because everyone's watching it because the way you're interacting with food is very different than the way they are, but they don't see what's different about you, you know? And I think that is really really hard and what makes some of that anticipatory anxiety heightened because sometimes the anxiety is about what are people going to think what are people going to say what are people going to do and also at the same time what if I just say screw it I'm just going to eat anything and everything and I'm not going to make a fuss about it and then I feel like crap and then I go home quietly to myself and for the next three weeks I'm trying to recover from this and so how do we take that reality and make a little bit of a plan for how you can navigate this in a way to make it a little bit easier for you all at the same time and maybe take down some of that anxiety? Yeah. So we wanted to approach this from two main avenues. One is navigating conversations with people around this kind of stuff, because inevitably when there's food on the table and food is the main focus, things are going to come up. You know, whether you are with are you whether you're having holidays with people who have known that you have this issue for 10 years, like hours, and yet still we have to navigate these kinds of comments. Dad, I hope you're listening. But then also <laughs> But then also, Mr. Monsies. Yeah, <laughs> he knows. He's. Oh, I'll give examples of this later. I love my dad, but he 
does not always remember that I have celiac. It's like a running um, joke in my family. My dad, too. God bless his heart. He's like the sweetest man ever. But yes. But yeah. So we'll talk about like how to navigate that kind of stuff. But then we also wanted to give you some very practical tips around like the food itself and what you can do in terms of like before the meal and then things to bring and then how to decide what to bring without completely overwhelming yourself. Because we're what we're not going to tell you to do is you have to bring, you know, an entire full meal of all of the things. If you're hosting, it's going to be a lot easier to be in control of the different dishes. But ultimately, a big part of this is how do we get over the anxiety of knowing that there's almost no possible way that you're going to be in control of every single thing and that's okay. And you don't have to be in control of every single thing in order to have a symptom-free, enjoyable holiday. So we're going to start with the conversations and how to kind of navigate these, because this is a theme that we've been going over the past couple of episodes. So we figured, why not cater it to this specific audience? And then we'll get into the practical stuff. Yeah, I think this isn't about the body image parts. We already have a different episode that talks about this. This is more of the comments and the stuff around what people might say about the way in which you're eating or your eating patterns and feeling like you have that microscope on you and people are talking about it or asking you questions. I think one of the things that I think is the most important thing, and I've, I still struggle with this sometimes. So I think it's important for people to know that it's okay if this doesn't feel easy. Cause I think a lot of times it feels, I actually just did this yesterday, just yesterday. I was at a birthday party for my daughter's friend and Every time I didn't select to eat something at the party, it's almost like a part of me wanted them to know that I wasn't dieting or being judgmental about food. So I let everybody know why I wasn't having the rolls at this party and I was only eating the pork that was like smoked. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm doing all of this to to make sure that people know what's going on. But then at the same time, it's like you have to remind yourself, you don't have to tell anyone anything about what you're doing with food and like what you're not doing with food. And it's really nobody's business. Who gives a crap if I'm not taking the potato roll and making it into a sandwich? It's really nobody's business. But it is hard when you have this silent illness because or and also too, I think there's like a special mishmash, like like what's the word I'm looking for? Like a mashup that happens. When you are doing this type of non-diet type work and you don't want people to think that you're choosing something. Do you know what I mean? Has this ever happened yeah. to you? Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say that also. It's like this is an interesting perspective to come from as well because when you're a practitioner in this field or you work in the health field – and you have a non-diet, non-restrictive perspective. I feel like one of the most helpful things you can do as a practitioner, if that's available to you in terms of like basically giving permission for other people to eat around you, which is a weird thing to say, but it's kind of like a leading by example. You know, if, if for example, if I didn't have celiac disease and we had, you know, rolls and mashed potatoes and like all these other things on the table, first of all, I love those foods, so I'm going to be eating them anyway. But I think it also makes a statement of when people are like, oh, Dana is a dietitian and she's eating these foods. Like, I always thought those were unhealthy and like I shouldn't be eating those and other stuff like that. And so there is an aspect to leading by example. And so, you know, when you mention like, I want to make sure people know I'm not eating these things 
for the reason of like dieting or something like that. I totally know what you mean because you want to be like, no, I promise. Like, it's not like a health thing. It's not like a diet thing. You know, like I'm not saying that your food is bad or unhealthy or anything like that. You know, it's just I wish I could and I would. But I have celiac and so I cannot because I don't want to end up in the hospital, you know. And so it's almost like you you want to make people feel less bad. But going back to what Christina was saying is like you don't have to tell anyone or you don't owe an explanation to anyone of what you're doing or not doing because ultimately it is nobody's business. But there is this weird kind of impulse that happens of like, oh, but I want to make sure that they know that it's okay for them to eat it. <laughs> or that I don't think there's anything wrong with their food that they're serving. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like it's not like I'm sitting there looking at their stuffing and being like, ew, I can't believe you're eating this. Uh huh. But meanwhile, it's more of like, man, internally what's really happening is like, oh, crap, I can't eat that. I really wish that I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you want people to know. And I think it's hard to navigate that when you're kind of in this place. And so I have to remind myself often, I don't have to explain anything. Mm-hmm. Like I can just do what I'm doing. And then if someone asks me a question, I can decide how I want to answer. I can say, oh, I'm not having a role because or if someone makes some kind of comment to me of like, oh, Christina, you must be the the dietitian who's so who's so healthy. You don't want to eat the potato rolls. And I can be like, no, those look amazing. And I can't have them because I have celiac disease. And so I think that there is like this dynamic that can happen. And I think it's important for people to remember that it's nobody's business eyes on your own plate. You don't have to explain anything if you don't want to. You can change the subject if you want to. You can literally not do anything and don't feel like you have to make a disclaimer as you're building your own plate. Because that's really about us thinking that other people might, that we might be judging other people or people might be judging us. And if everyone's just focused on their own damn plate, everyone can Mm -hmm. move through dinner so so much easier. Yep. And it's hard, but I think that's like a a really important reminder. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways, having a diagnosis of celiac or an allergy or other things can actually make things easier in a certain aspect because those are things that more and more people know about, right? Like if you have a peanut allergy, no one's going to be like, oh, are you sure you can't have a little peanut butter? Like no one's going to say that, you know. Um, With celiac, we still get that from time to time. But like if you don't have celiac, if you don't have an allergy, if you have gut issues, if you have other stuff, if you like have a really severe reaction when you eat strawberries or, you know, uh, other fill in the blank food, it can be harder to explain that, especially when it does seem more invisible. And when you don't want to explain the severe IBS that you've been having over the past year at the dinner table, right? And so let's say this is your first holiday season with a new diagnosis, or it's your first meal that you're having with people that don't know your situation, right? And you're trying to minimize eating certain foods because you don't want to shit your pants or you don't want to like break out or you don't want to have, you know, whatever it is, right? It's your preference. There are a couple different ways that you can go about this. You know, you can do the like, oh, yeah, I haven't been eating as much fill in the blank because it just doesn't make me feel great. Or I haven't been feeling great when I've been eating that. So like, could could you pass this instead or whatever it is? And hopefully that's going to be 
enough to kind of get people off your back. You could always do the like, oh, no, I'm not eating butter because I don't feel like shitting my pants today. You know, it really depends on the audience. Could you imagine? <laughs> I No, keep... exactly. When but if ha- someone kept pestering me, that's yeah. probably what I would do because that's my personality. I'd be like, oh, well, if you really want to go there, I'm going to go there. And like, I'm not going to feel awkward about it. You're going to feel awkward about it, you know, and it might make it for awkward, awkward for everybody else. But again, if people just keep their eyes on their own plate, this wouldn't be an issue. So. That is so not my personality. I would launch into everything, like explaining it and being like, oh, it's because I get really sick. And like, <laughs> I'd be terrified. Meanwhile, internally, I'd be calling Dana or texting her and saying, this bitch. <laughs> like, do you want to get me on the phone? She doesn't want to shit her pants today. Leave it alone. Oh, my God. It's so true. I, You know, because I'm picturing this whole time of like a – you know, like the first time you go and meet your significant other's family? Like, that's what I'm picturing. Like, someone going there and people are – like, all eyes are already on you. And then it's like you have this on top of it and you just feel like there's even more eyes on you and people are freaking weird as hell about food. And it's just like so many layers. And I was thinking before we talked when someone said, oh, do you want me to pass you the butter? Like, you can literally just say, oh, no, thank you. And then change the subject. <laughs> which feels really hard because i have the the people pleaser in me is like i want to explain every, every reason why i'm doing certain things and the truth is you don't have to explain anything but i always feel like i have to i think another thing too like the people pleaser in me sometimes feels like it can be helpful depending on my relationship with the person, right? Like I was just talking about, you know, when you're like the you're like newly with your partner and you're going to their family for the first time, this might be a great opportunity for your partner to advocate for you. And like in an episode with Zoe Bisbee, we talked about this this concept of coping ahead when it comes to kids. And I think you can do the same thing for yourself in like a self-advocacy type of way, where either you, depending on your relationship with the host, you can call the host yourself and say, hey, I've been kind of going through some stuff. I've been sick a lot. It's not a big deal. Everything's fine. I'm working with a practitioner. My doctor and I are trying to figure all this out. Um, I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm going to bring a couple of items with me. Um, and it's not a reflection of your cooking at all. It's not a reflection on the the ingredients that you're using. I have no, it's like not like that. It's more of a, this is what we've come up with that has been helpful in managing those things. And I just wanted to give you a heads up. I'm not going to need your oven. I'm not going to need anything. Everything's going to be ready to go. Or if you do need their oven, you can say, is it possible for me to warm something up in the microwave or in your oven at the very end after everything else is done? Like, I think there is this aspect of calling the host and talking about it when it feels appropriate to your relationship with them. Like if it's my mom, I'm going to call her and she's going to tell me everything, you know. But if it's like Casey's grandmother, I'm going to talk to my mother-in-law about it because I know her for the last (laughs) 10 odd years. Um, And I can have that conversation with her, but I'm certainly not going to ask my 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 grandmother-in-law to change her entire menu. She's not going to do that. Like, that's not going to be what it is. So I'll say, hey, I'm going to bring a couple of things. My mother-in-law will talk to grandma and say, hey, Christina's going to bring a couple of things because of her celiac disease, NBD, everything's good to go. And I think that there is something about calling the host when you have that kind of relationship that can be really helpful. 
and at least make you feel like there's a little less to explain when you're there too and less to understand and it's not like you're showing up with like a cooler full of shit and they're like <laughs> why are you bringing all excuse this excuse me <laughs> excuse me i make the best stuffing it's like i'm not saying that aunt linda all i'm saying is it's got gluten in it and i can't have it you know i don't even have any aunt linda so i don't either <laughs> <laughs> sorry for all the aunt lindas yes <laughs> we love you and it's, it's just the first name that popped up <laughs> Okay, we wanted to bring some funnies now because um, sometimes there there are certain comments that are made sometimes that are just so annoying that like you really would just like to be like, I wish I could just bury myself in a hole and not be here. But when we talk about it together, it's funnier. <laughs> so <laughs> all the time. And this isn't just consolidated to the holidays. This is like... You go out to dinner with friends, you're out to dinner with your partner, you're, you know, whatever it is. Basically, anytime you're outside of your own home and inevitably somebody is going to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry you can't eat this. It's so good. And it's like, that doesn't help. Could you not? <laughs> like, um, Casey still does this sometimes. And he knows. I always roll my eyes at him. I'm like, ugh. And he's like, <laughs> he knows. He goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Every time. I mean, you don't. They, I, I feel bad because I don't want people to feel like they have to apologize for something that I can't eat because it's not something that I chose. You know, it's just like this, just the way it is. And so, like, yeah, I'm sorry I can't eat it too, but like, it doesn't make me feel better when you say that. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean, <laughs> I think also too, like a little quick caveat here is it doesn't even matter if whether or not. Like, we can't have gluten because of our celiac disease. It doesn't really matter what it is, you know. You can't have something because you get sick when you have it, period. It doesn't matter if you have some formal diagnosis or whatever it is. Sometimes those are really hard to get, okay? So just putting a little note out there. But it's so true. I really can't stand it when people are eating something and they say that to me. I really can't stand it. Or... When they say something about the gluten-free food, like, like, oh, my God, can you taste this? Or like, oh, my gosh, your gluten-free food's not that bad. I'm like, what do you think? I'm eating cardboard every day all the time. Like, what are you, what are you so shocked that this tastes even good? Like, do you think I don't even eat good food anymore or foods that's like flavorful? And it just gets really annoying. Or when people ask me the difference, like, can you taste the difference? And before we record, before... <laughs> before when we were outlining this i said to dana i was like bitch i haven't had gluten in 15 years i have absolutely no idea what it tastes <laughs> like anymore i don't know what i'm missing out on yeah that looks really spongy and yummy like i don't know but like i haven't had it in so long i have no idea and it drives me nuts when people say can you taste the difference yeah Ugh. Like, I literally can't taste it, so I don't know. I mean, one <laughs> of the things that I started doing um, when I, like, was freshly diagnosed and, like, was having all these other gut issues and stuff like that is, like, I just wouldn't tell people that what I was bringing was gluten-free. And they'd be like, oh, these are just Dana's Brussels sprouts or, like, Dana's stuffing or Dana's mashed potatoes or, you know, whatever it is. And, like, I'm in a little bit of a different situation because, like, I did have a food blog for a long time, right? So, like, that I was cooking all the time and, like, constantly trying new recipes and other stuff like that. But so it just kind of became Dana's, you know, recipe or whatever it was. And now we use most of those just because people are like, oh, yeah, we actually like this better than the old 
unseasoned recipes that we used to make. So there's a little bit of a difference there, right? But I think there there's like a little bit of a a pride and like a joy that comes in. And it's like, haha, they like the gluten-free stuff. When really a lot of holiday foods, aside from like the baked things and the stuffing and other stuff like that, can easily be naturally gluten-free. And we're going to talk about that when we get to more of the like practical section. But yeah, that does drive me crazy. Another one that drives me crazy is like, oh, can't you just have a little? Like, don't you just want to taste it? Yeah, Susan, like I do want to taste it. But like also, like I probably could just have a little. Physically, I could. Inside, my body would be like, excuse me? I thought we've been trying to avoid this for the last 10 years. Like, we're not used to eating this and it doesn't give us a great reaction. So like I'd rather not be in the bathroom for the next week or like for me what happens is like I just get stabbing pains in my intestine and the way that I describe it to people is it feels like a tiny a thousand tiny knives are stabbing me and like I just don't <laughs> I don't want to feel that way. So like yeah, sure, I could have a bite of pasta or like a bite of like my mom's famous like chicken apple sausage stuffing or whatever for Thanksgiving, but it would not end well for me. So I'm just not going to. Do you want to give the response that you had, Christina? <laughs> I don't recommend that people say this, but the snarkiness <laughs> in me that Dana brings out that I hold deep down in my soul is what I want to say is, how about you have a taste of this motor oil? Like, I mean, we can physically eat anything, like, right? You can physically eat anything. That doesn't mean that it's good for you to eat. And I think like that's one thing that I think can be kind of frustrating is that so much when we're navigating chronic health stuff is that everyone thinks of it as this choice that we're making and that we need to get over ourselves and just do it. And I think like that's what's really frustrating to me. And so sometimes I want to say something snarky like, well, why don't you just eat this poison? Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you know. How about you eat the stuffing out of the sofa? Like, I don't know. Like, it's not good for you. Like, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, like, that's not helpful. It's not good for you to do that. And it's not good for me to have gluten um, for all the reasons. And it's interesting, too, because I think one of the things that makes it hard is that each person with celiac disease has a different presentation. Like, Dana gets an immediate GI reaction. I don't. Mine's after the fact, like, weeks later where I'll get cold sores or I'll get um I get like um warts on my fingers or eggs and I get sick more often and I'll have like really bad brain fog or it triggers like a um a thyroid type response for me like that happens after the fact and it will be like days later of this like this like dull headache type of thing that no one can feel, but Casey sees at home. And so he'll be like, oh shit, this happened to Christina. Like she's laid out now and not able to like bring her full self. There's like a big difference between Christina who hasn't been glutened and Christina who has been, has been glutened because I just don't have the same energy. Like my body just, it's, it works so hard in processing it that it just like shuts down every system. And so it really is invisible. People don't see it. They don't know. And then they don't see that I'm going into the cabinet and taking ibuprofen because I have a headache. They don't see that I have to like do all these different things because, you know, they don't know about it. So to me, it's like, to me, it's the same as saying, why don't you taste this motor oil? Like, no, it's not good for me. Like, it's not good for, like, you can't be, 
so yes, there's this part of me that wants to be really snarky and tell people to just shove it sometimes. And I feel bad for that because I think I'm a loving, nice person. <laughs> but I just get really tired of people hyper fixating on what I'm eating. And it's like, there's this really great reel of this little girl who's trying to put her seatbelt on. And the dad is like, what can I help you with? And she goes, you worry about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Worry about yourself. And it's like the most amazing thing ever. And all I want is for everybody to just worry about themselves. Like, (laughs) Worry about yourself. Forget what I'm doing. You're fine. I'm going to manage my own dinner, my own meal, and all the things. And unfortunately, the way that you want it to work is not the way that it works in my body. And I've been doing this for a really long time. And I know how it affects me. And I think even if you haven't been doing this for a long time, nobody knows what goes on in your body better than you. And so you need to do whatever you need to do to be able to enjoy yourself and to do that. And I think this is a good segue into what can you do practically when you're faced with the meal that you have zero control over and you have something like celiac disease or a chronic health condition that needs management and that you and that food is a big piece of that management. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so the first thing that we recommend you do is think about and this is something that you we recommend you do before the big holiday meal or the event or whatever it is, is think about what are your non-negotiables. Um, and what's interesting is when Christina and I were planning this, we actually took this in two different directions. So Christina's was like, what are your non-negotiables in terms of like, what are the things that you know, if you eat them, are really going to have effects that you don't want to deal with? And you can kind of rank this in terms of, so obviously celiac disease like gluten is off the table. There's nothing that we're interacting with that's going to go well if there's any kind of gluten in it. Anaphylactic allergies. Yes. We don't come (laughs) to play, man. That's just silly. Yeah. Don't do that. This isn't a F around and find out situation. Bring your EpiPen everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But... (laughs) But it's not around ask the questions and don't feel a damn bit guilty about it asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you can, you know, every every single person is going to be different in this situation. But like most of the time when people have some kind of gut issues or skin issues or, you know, other things that they're dealing with, most of the time it's not just one food that we're dealing with where like if everything was controlled, you may keep two foods out of your house or three foods or whatever, right? But there's most likely a kind of ranking in the degree of severity that it affects you. So for example, like if you are newly diagnosed with celiac, it's very common advice that you get like obviously you have to cut out gluten, but a lot of people when they are newly diagnosed with celiac are also lactose intolerant because of what happens to your small intestine when you have been undiagnosed celiac and eating gluten for a long time. But for a lot of people and the longer that you have had that diagnosis and you've been working on healing your gut and everything, people have generally less and less of a sensitivity to dairy. So if we're thinking about your non-negotiables and we're looking at this specific situation, then gluten is obviously off the table, but then maybe dairy is going to be okay, right? So you can think about what is, what are the things that I can kind of get away with a little bit? And what are the things that are like, oop, this is going to put me on my ass and I don't want to go that way. Um, Yeah. So I think like to me, 
you have to think about what you're like, what you're flexible with, what Dana's talking about. And some of the things that I think are like a little toolkit to have available for you and stuff that you can bring in your purse if you're traveling, put it in your luggage, have it on your carry on, whatever it is, especially if you're traveling because you're in an airport and you have zero control over that or you're in the car and you're, you're on like the, the road trip with, like the only options are like the fast food places or whatever, and you have zero control over what you're eating and availability. So have, I think some of the best things to have are things like Tums, an enzyme, a digestive enzyme of some kind. I like having activated charcoal. If you have a lactose issue, lactate pills can be really helpful. I haven't personally used these, but I just ordered them for the first time because we're going to my brother and sister-in-laws who's who are very, very gluten aware. My sister-in-law is, is highly gluten aware of everything about celiac disease and is very conscious of that. So I'm not overly concerned about there being an issue. But at my parents' house, it used to always be my parents did it and they knew and I was heavily involved in the cooking. So it was a lot easier. But Dana just turned me into um, a product called Gluten Away that I want you to talk more about that can be really helpful. This is not sponsored. This is just stuff we use. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I've never used it. So I'm only having Dana talk about it because she's had personal experience with it, not because there's like sneaky ad <laughs> entered into the chat that would be genius honestly um but no it's like, so it's like that old movie you know what movie i'm talking about when it's like that um christina all you said was it's like that old movie <laughs> what you know how am i movie? supposed to know what that is you know that movie with with um jim carrey and the truman show and like all of a sudden she'll like his wife will turn around because you don't know he doesn't know that he's in part of a tv show have you ever seen this before the truman show no oh my god well if you've seen it it's like all of a sudden his wife turns she goes um nestle's is a wonderful snack <laughs> and he's like what are you talking about who are you talking to it would be like that Oh, yeah. But so, okay, the one that we are talking about that is not sponsored, it's just something we've used before. And um, so this is a gluten-specific enzyme. The disclaimer here is this is not, if you have an allergy or you have celiac, this isn't like, oh, take this thing and then you'll be just fine. That's not what this is, right? If you have non-celiac gluten sensitivity or you have issues when you eat gluten and you feel better when you eat gluten-free, this could be something that you can take in advance. And then when you eat the gluten things, you probably will have less of an issue. However, if you do have celiac, the one way that I have used it before, and for my clients that have celiac, this is something that I recommend. I They keep as part of, I call it like their celiac toolkit, especially when you're traveling or going for holidays or anything, is if you have an inkling or you know that there was some cross-contamination, you can take this afterwards or during, and it's going to kind of lessen the effect. It's not going to be like a, oh, yay, everything is fixed and I'm probably not going to have any issues, but you're not going to feel as objectively awful as you would if you had nothing. And, you know, keep in mind, like we're saying these things as like generally a symptom management toolkit that we use with our clients and different things that we recommend, but also always work with a practitioner on this kind of stuff. You know, like we're not just like, oh, yes, go out and buy all of these things. And these will be in the show notes as well. But yeah, I mean, we're obviously not saying like blanket statement, go take all of these supplements, you know, like if if you have lactose intolerance, it's a good idea to bring lactate pills. You know, if you get heartburn, it's a good idea to bring something like Tums. You know, if you've been 
working with a practitioner like Christina or I, and you're like, oh, yeah, they recommended that I take digestive enzymes, which with meals containing larger amounts of protein or fat or carbs or whatever, bring what you have, you know, and if you do have celiac, there's this one. It's gluten away from Just Thrive Health. There's also gluten ease from Enzyme Medica is another one. There's a whole bunch of different brands out there that we are now seeing. Gluten Away was the first one that I was ever aware of. And so I did try that and it was helpful for me when I was traveling. But yeah, you know, this is these kinds of things I describe as like a toolkit or also like a security blanket because they do a lot for alleviating the anxiety going into a stressful situation around food because then you're kind of like, okay, well, if something does happen, at least I have a toolkit, right? Versus if you're going into the situation, you're just you feel like you're walking on pins and needles and you're like, I don't know if this is going to happen. If it does happen, what am I going to do? I'm just going to feel awful. And there's as we have many times talked about, the impact of stress on the nervous system and your digestive system can be enough to provoke symptoms even if nothing has happened or even if you haven't ingested any of the foods that may be causing your symptoms. So trying to minimize that anxiety by having a little bit of a toolkit or one thing that you can take or whatever it is can be very helpful. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think also, too, it's really important, like Dana already mentioned this in here, is that this doesn't change an autoimmune reaction to anything. It doesn't change that. This is not going to support you if you have an allergy to a food. It's not. It's just more of like a symptom management to support you in that moment. And I also do agree with Dana 100% that it does help with the just knowing that you have something there that you can pull out of your back pocket if needed helps with the anxiety. I even notice it helps with Casey's anxiety because Casey gets really nervous about me getting glutened at his family's house or anything like that or anywhere. And so he'll turn to me oftentimes at dinner and say, do you have your activated charcoal with you? Like, do you have your stuff like just in case? And I'll turn to him like, yeah, I do. And he'll be like, okay, cool. And it's like, almost <laughs> like he feels better knowing that I have something just in case because he's like, I watched and I talked to them about it. He goes, but you never know. Like the first time I had Thanksgiving, they spent, bless my my mother-in-law's heart, she spent the entire meal looking up gluten-free recipes, substitutes for everything. And then the, the when she went to make the gravy, she just naturally, instinctually grabbed the flour, put it in there. And then all of a sudden, Casey laid into her. And I go, Casey, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I just won't have the gravy. He goes, but this is a big deal. I want you to have the gravy. And I'm like, I can't have it. So it's fine. Let's <laughs> all move on now. Like, But there is something about like – um about having something to kind of like help yourself to feel a little bit better, not saying that you should have the gravy if you have celiac disease, if you see them put flour in it, like that's not the recommendation. But there is something about being able to to have that anxiety relief and knowing that like, okay, I have something, especially if you find out after the fact, like this happened to me with a friend of ours who brought something over. I said, oh my gosh, this dip is so delicious. Um, what's in the recipe? And then she's like, oh, yeah. And then she started listing everything out. And then all of a sudden, her eyes got really big. And she immediately was like, oh, shit, Christina, the last ingredient is breadcrumbs. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> God. This is fun. And so it's really nice to have in those instances where it's like you find out after the fact, like, oh, gosh. Um, the other non-negotiables that I think are really important to kind of the other side of the non-negotiables to have with yourself in that conversation to think about is what would you be really sad if you didn't get to eat? 
Like, what would make you really, like, really, really bummed if you didn't get to have it at your holiday table? And I think picking one to two things that you really love and a dessert. There is nothing worse than going to a holiday table, finishing this delicious meal, and then everyone else is cutting into something yummy. And you're like, what? the hell like where's <laughs> where's my yummy thing you know and everyone's like well you can have the ice cream like i don't want just the ice cream i want the pie too so i think having something that you can either buy or bring or whatever or make yourself if they're into that um to bring i think it's really important to think about as well and to consider what things that you really want to have that are really special to you for that meal do you really want to make sure that you have bread other things that are really important to you. I think it's an, I think it's necessary to make sure that you're not going to leave that meal feeling at all like you were deprived or had any kind of scarcity because that can get triggered so fast when you're managing chronic health symptoms, especially when you're going into big meals like this and a lot of lack of control around it. I think making sure that you're set up to feel like you're not going to feel like you're having any kind of scarcity is really important. Yeah. And so thinking about what are your favorite holiday foods? You know, Christina mentioned before, she's always got to have stuffing. You know, that's her thing, right? And so she's going to figure out whether she is buying a mix or she's making it herself or, you know, the people who are hosting are going to make a gluten-free stuffing, right? And this, these are the kinds of checkboxes that you can go through. It's like, okay, well, obviously we would love if the entire meal was you friendly, but if that's not possible or feasible or practical, then you want to pick one to two things at the main meal that typically would not be within your restrictions or whatever it is and see if you can substitute those or if there's a simple way that you can make the thing that is always made to your restrictions or your guidelines or whatever. So for example, with gravy, an easy fix if you're celiac is you just use um, cornstarch instead of flour, right, is one thing that you can do. Or you can use rice flour, you can use tapioca starch, or you can use arrowroot flour and make a slurry. There's so many different things that you can do, right? If you know that the gravy or whatever it is, and gravy is just a good example, is always going to have gluten in it and you love gravy, make your own gravy. You can buy it. You can find a recipe. We have a whole bunch of recipes that we're going to share with you um, after this in the show notes. But so for me, because we have been doing this for about 10 years, most of the things that I care about eating are going to be naturally gluten-free or I'm going to make them in a way that is gluten-free, right? So like I always make gravy for myself and then typically I'm either bringing my own bread that I've bought from like a bakery or the store or whatever it is and then I bring crackers for appetizers and then I figure out what I'm going to do for a dessert. I love baking so usually I'll make some kind of dessert and we've also – so sometimes I'll just get – like I'll buy a gluten-free pie crust and then I'll just make regular apple pie. Same recipe, just sub the pie crust, right? Or what I've also done before is I'll make the same filling for apple pie, but I just make a crumble on top instead of doing like a single crust or a double crust or something like that. And because things like gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, like all of these things are so much more known now, you can – 
pretty easily, at least compared to before, either find a bakery by you or order something online, or you can just go to like Whole Foods or whatever your regular grocery store is. Even Trader Joe's has a bunch of like gluten-free, dairy-free, all of the things, stuff that you can find now. Side note, Trader Joe's has the best gluten-free cornbread. Mix. Oh, yeah. I actually just ate some this morning. It's so <laughs> legit. Our whole family had some. And Casey the other day was like, this is the best cornbread I've ever had. It's so good. Yeah. Just it's really heads good. Up. Yep. Um, and then, yeah. So I usually buy a, a pie crust. Christina <laughs> recommends the uh, boxed King Arthur gluten-free brownie mix she loves. It's so good. Especially if you just want something really quick and easy that you can kind of make and throw together and then it, you know, you don't have to have it warmed up or anything. It can just be there and then it's really great with ice cream when everyone's serving the pies a la mode. You can easily have brownie sundae. Brownie sundae and it's like, <laughs> like you get all the things out of it. Dana like glossed over the crackers that you bring and I think that's so important to bring that because I don't know about y'all, but I want to be able to have crackers if I'm ha- if people are having dips and stuff. When people tell me like, "Oh, I have the crudités," I'm like, "That's great," but that's not all I want. <laughs> I like the crudités, and I like also to have crackers with stuff. Like, I want to be able to have a mixture of the the things. But I also think too, like this is where you can tap into what makes you feel like you might have scarcity or that you want to have access to, and it might seem over the top. But I have literally shown up to a family event with a grocery bag with my gluten-free subs in there. And to be perfectly honest, people appreciate it because then they don't have to worry about it themselves. Or worst case scenario, they've already thought about it and they say, hey, Christina, I already have a bunch of crackers for you. And then you just keep your crackers for another time. Done deal. Like, it's not a big deal. But I think that's also really important, too, to make sure that you bring something, thinking about not just the big meal itself, but a lot of these holiday meals are the all-day event of, like, we're watching sports earlier, we're dipping and snacking and having chips and dip or whatever. Like, do you have dip that you have? Do you have crackers that you like? Are you having all of the stuff leading up to the big meal, too? And then afterwards as well, like with the snacks and stuff like that and, and the desserts. I think that's really important. And then the other piece that we think is really practical and supportive that I kind of forget about a lot Um But bringing your own storage containers for leftovers because so many times it all is going so well until it's time to pack everything up and everyone's just like in a mode of cleaning up and then your stuff gets mixed in with other people like I'm just gonna put it on the other half of this and it's like that's not how this works and so having your own little storage containers to put the gluten-free stuff in a little dry erase marker to label it it's gonna help you out a lot yeah and one other thing we forgot to mention about appetizers and crackers and stuff like that is if you're doing an appetizers or charcuterie board or crudités situation or whatever it is, if there's a whole bunch of dips and stuff and you don't want to worry about cross-contamination, this is where the my dad story comes in. He always does this. And dad, you know you do this. Is like, we'll get big dips from Costco or something like that because we got a lot of people, right? So we'll do like hummus. We get the spinach artichoke dip, which is so good. And they'll get like naan or pita crackers or whatever it is. Um, and most of the time, people are just going straight into the container. So what I do, because no, I can't just have a little, is <laughs> like I will 
be the one that opens the thing or my mom is good at this too and she'll remember to put some aside for me and like just put some of the dip aside for yourself and then you can put it in a little container or a little bowl or whatever and just be like this is the gluten-free bowl you know just put it right next to your crackers or whatever they are and then just have people go for the main thing and then they can do whatever they want you don't have to worry about cross contamination you've got your own little section over there and then you can enjoy it without having to worry about it we do this too. It's a game changer. It's so helpful. My dad is also horrible about it. He's like, oh, I forgot. What's the big deal with a cup of crumbs? You know? And like, and meanwhile, my mom is like, yeah, you've ruined it. You've ruined the meal for her now. And um, and to, it's like one thing that I will say also is that sometimes for the, for the people pleasers out there, you can feel a little guilty about taking too much of the dip. And you know what Casey told and my mom have always said to me every single time, because I'll take, you know, like, less than, because I'm like, oh, I'm scared. There's so many people sharing it. I don't want to take too much. Casey will be like, take as much of that damn hummus <laughs> as you want. And you know what? Whenever you're done, everybody can have yours. But you can't have more of what everybody else has already had. So my mom and him have always been like, take more than you think you're going to need. And then if you don't finish it or whatever, or if someone goes without, believe me, there's plenty of other things that other people can have. And two, you can always share with them after you're done. Um, but I, I just wanted to say that for all the people pleasers out there, just give yourself an extra scoop. Just do it. Don't feel guilty about it. Just put that extra scoop in there for yourself and so that you have more than enough and you're not sitting there at the end and be like, damn, that was good. I wish I had another <laughs> bite. <laughs> yeah. Because that almost always happens, right? So it's good to take a little bit extra. And you're right. It's so important to remember that like people can have the less leftovers of yours, but you can't have the leftovers of theirs. And that's okay. It's just, you know, again, going back to the very first thing that we said this sucks. It's really annoying that we even have to think about this stuff and we have to take all of these extra steps. And at the same time, it's like, okay, well, depending on – and you don't have to do all of the stuff that we're talking about today, right? This is born of like literally 10 years of us navigating different holiday tables with different people and everything like that. And these are like as many of the practical tips that we could come up with as possible. If you only pick one to two of these, it's going to make your experience more enjoyable, right? So think about what's practical for you, what sounds like it's going to make your experience more enjoyable, and then we can go from there. And then – the last thing that we wanted to leave you with is like, what happens after the fact if you're not feeling great, right? Like if you did get cross-contaminated, and this goes for any time, right? Like whether it's a holiday or you're traveling or a restaurant or whatever it is, if you got cross-contaminated, if you don't feel good, whether if you ate the thing, whether you intended to or not, right, there's no like detox or anything that you should or really even can do that's going to make a difference afterwards, right? First, you still have to eat the next day. Even if you feel awful, you still need to eat the next day. You got to eat something. And we're going to give you some practical tips for that too. But there's no like reset. There's no like tummy tease or anything that's going to like make you feel better. And unfortunately, and we say unfortunately because it sucks, you just kind of have to ride it out. And we've all been there, right? And some of the best things that you can do is to 
leverage the power of nutrition and your supplement toolkit and be like, okay, I know my body's going through a lot right now. Like, what can I do to support my digestive system, to drink water, to try and poop regularly? You know, you want to actually add in easier to digest foods. Like, probably the worst thing that you can do for your symptoms right now if you're dealing with digestive stuff is eat like a giant salad or like a bunch of raw veggies or something. Even if that sounds good, if you're having some stomach stuff, you want to stick to what Christina and I call pre-digested foods, which is stuff like <laughs> smoothies or stew, stews or soups or rice or anything like that because the first step of mechanical digestion is what we call it has already been taken care of for you, which means that your body has to do less work to get the nutrients that it needs. And so leverage that knowledge that you have of like, yeah, we still need to eat. We still need to fuel, but let's make it a little bit easier on our body. And it doesn't have to be a seven-day reset or blah, blah, blah. It's not a whole 30 if it's only seven days kind of thing. Like, we're not – we're past that. Yeah. Also, those don't do anything for your GI system. Like, the jig is up. It happened, guys. Like, the only thing you can do is ride it out. And another thing that I will say, too, is let's say you tried – to be intentionally flexible and now you're feeling like crap, the last thing that we want you to do is to beat yourself up about being flexible, okay? You were flexible and it didn't go well and you're not feeling well. This is the biggest time to give yourself some compassion and you know what you did? You learned a little bit more. You learned a little bit more closely what the non-negotiables are for you in the future and you can make that decision next time and about what's going to work, what's not going to work, what you're okay with doing, what you're not okay with doing. And we just want you to get rest, support yourself, and to not beat yourself up. And to be honest, it's not the food's fault, and it's not your fault either. It's just a combination of the two things don't like to party together, and that sucks. But they don't party. They don't play nice in the in the sandbox, you know? And as much as we want them to, I think that reminding yourself that your flexibility wasn't a problem that was really brave and we're glad that you did it and you went there and you tried it and you tried to be more flexible and now we have more information and to not beat yourself up about it mm -hmm. yep and the last thing we'll leave you with is of like if you do want some recipe ideas ooh. We do. And this – did we launch this last year? I can't even remember. No. We it was like two years ago, I think. Okay. I think we maybe Easily. updated it last year. But <clears throat> um, we do have a recipe ebook. It's called all, Our Wholehearted Eating Holiday Table, and it's all, like, allergen-friendly. And it's also recipes that we've taken from, like, our families and then either, like, made them gluten-free or also just left them the way they are in case you are not gluten-free like we have to be. Um, there's just a bunch of great ideas in there for – appetizers to main stuff to side dishes to desserts and so if you want to check that out the link will be in the show notes yeah and if you're looking to switch things up yeah i know i'll be making not all of them but like a bunch of things from there so yeah for sure we hope this was helpful for you all since we're like smack dab in the middle of the holidays right now if you have additional questions definitely let us know you know, you know where to find us. Hello at wholeheartedeating.com. If you want to email us, find us on Instagram at wholeheartedeatingpod. You can also, you know, if you're on Patreon, you can also comment on this episode or the show notes or, you know, anywhere. We're everywhere you want to find us. And enjoy your holiday meals without stress. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey friends, it's Dana, and thanks so much for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling. If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. Check out patreon.com slash wholehearted eating to help support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you next week.